Welcome back to Answers for Everything podcast. Today I wanted to do something a little bit different. Um, I think I say that every time, so maybe I should just quit and just say, hey, guess what? I got another idea. Anyways, um, so I wanted to talk about um, relationships. Um, but before I get into that, um, this is going to be a series, probably. Um, I have no idea how long it'll be depends on how much content I find to talk about. Um, I think this is a really relevant subject for, at least for people um, within my age range, um, you know, late teens to early 20s, um, because, you know, everybody around you is starting to date, everybody's starting to get married, and I think that there's a lot of people out there who really don't have reliable people to talk to about it. Um, you know, churches and, and lots of leaders, they've kind of dropped the ball on, on teaching people how to do this and on walking through it with them. Um, so I just wanted to talk a bit about my experiences, um, and the experiences of people around me that I've, I've seen and I've been there for. Um, yeah, so first I'm going to just tell my story probably in this podcast, and then the next one I will probably talk more about the different myths and mistakes that people make. Um, so my story starts when I was 17. Um, something you need to understand about me is that as a result of some stuff that happened in my childhood, um, I grew up feeling very alone. Uh, I grew up with I've always described it as there's like a glass wall between me and everybody else and you know I can watch everybody around me having fun, I can watch everyone around me enjoying their lives and all I can do is watch and try to sort of borrow some of their emotions because I cannot feel them for myself. Um, I've always kind of lacked that feeling of connection with people um, ever since some childhood trauma and yeah, and I've, I've never been able to really figure out how to get rid of that, that wall. Um, so, you know, I grew up with a lot of loneliness and, um, to date, actually, I only have one friend who I've had for longer than a year. Um, yeah, so I've just, I've dealt with a lot of friends leaving over the years and just not sticking around, um. A lot of people, you know, I know them, but they don't know me, like, they don't even know my hobbies half the time. Um, so that's kind of been just the story of my life. So, yeah, I've never really had people all that interested in getting to know me as a person. Um, so, yeah, anyways, um, so yeah, this summer, or that summer, this was now two years ago, um, I found myself with somebody who was interested in me. Um, there was this guy at church. I had mostly just seen him around. I'd played hockey on a team with him a few years before, but, you know, it wasn't really... I didn't really talk to any of the guys, because, again, I was a bit of a loner. And being the only girl on the team, I had my own dressing room, so we just never really talked. Um, so, yeah, I... When I found myself with someone who actually wanted to talk to me and who actually wanted to 
not just talk to me, but hear about me. You know, somebody who actually asked questions and, and wanted to understand me. Um, I think that was what really kind of caught me because it was something I'd never really experienced a whole lot. And so I guess I thought that that was what love was. I thought that, um, you know, if somebody is interested in me, if somebody's actually genuinely wanting to get to know me, then that is worth an awful lot of sacrifice. And I still do believe that that is worth quite a bit because, you know, actions speak louder than words. You know, if somebody is genuinely interested in you, then you can forgive quite a bit of their mistakes because if they're genuine in some area of importance, then the mistakes, you know, they, they often become a lot smaller. They often become dismissible. Um, so that's what I did. I, you know, I started to get so caught up in, you know, just being surprised that somebody actually wanted to get to know me. Um, and so I got wrapped up in the feelings. I really did. And at the same time, this guy's friend group, um, there were two other guys and a girl in this group. Um, at the same time, they all kind of embraced me into their group as well. Like within, I don't know, two weeks, I had all of them texting me, like not to the same degree as he did, obviously for them, it was more occasional. Obviously the girl, you know, we got pretty close and we're actually still friends. Um, but yeah, so I got caught up in just being accepted by not even just one person, but a whole group of people. And, and they actually made a place for me within their group, which no one had ever done before. Um, like in any other friend group, I always had to try to fit in, you know, I had to find my place and, and kind of make myself fit that. Um, but here I didn't have to do anything. They just kind of gave me a place. It was almost, I often, I described it at the time as pretty much being kidnapped. Like I was just put there. Like I was given a spot whether I asked for it or not. And, and I really liked that. That was something that um, it, it blew me away in so many ways, and yeah, to this day, I, I don't really know how to look at that, because, I mean, obviously things didn't, didn't end super well, but I definitely don't regret that feeling. I don't regret experiencing what that looked like, um, even if it wasn't, you know, even if it was flawed in some ways, um, I don't regret getting a taste of that because now I at least know a little bit of what it looks like. Um, anyways, so yeah, so we texted for quite a while and, um, I think it was two, two months into talking. Then, you know, we had the whole talk of, oh, you like me? Oh, I like you. You know, that whole shenanigan that that always kind of shifts things. Um, so yeah, about two months in, we had that talk and, and we agreed like, we're not going to be serious for a while because we were both still in school. Um, so we agreed we were just gonna kind of feel it out and probably just wait until after graduating before being serious about anything. Um, 
And, you know, for the first, I think it was the first three, the first three months were good. Um, the first three months, you know, I really liked this guy because he was very genuine when he would talk. Like, you could see that he had, like, he was an emotional person. And I guess I wasn't really used to that either because, you know, often guys, they'll play it off and they'll act like they don't have any emotions. Um, and so this guy, you could see that he was an emotional person. And I liked that because it made me feel as though, you know, my emotions would be understood. Um, and at first, you know, the first three months, that is what that did. Um, and also, you know, then I knew that he genuinely cared about people. Like he was, he was very honest usually. And you know, the things that he would say, sometimes I wished he was a little less honest, but that being said, um, I liked the honesty and yeah. And, and obviously he was funny as I think is pretty much always required in these cases. But, um, so yeah, after the first three months, um, I began to notice that I was being put as a lower priority in a sense. Um, and I, I kind of dismissed this as just, you know what, we're just getting past the whole newness phase and we're kind of learning how to juggle life again, right? Because at first people, they tend to get very much carried away so that they actually stop paying attention to the rest of their life. Um, so I, I dismissed it as just trying to get a grip on reality again so that we could both juggle normal life again. Um, and then at the same time, uh, my health was going downhill. Um, I'd had heart problems and stuff for quite a while. Um, and then I, it finally got bad enough at that point that I actually got diagnosed, um, with a couple things which I will not get into right now because it's, it's a long story. But anyway, um, so yeah, I finally got diagnosed with some, some heart issues and, um, yeah. So at that time I was getting to a point where like normally I would have, I called them panic attacks cause I thought that they were, you know, just due to emotional trauma years ago. Um, and I would get them, I don't know, generally only like once or twice a month. That had been kind of the, the routine. Um, and at that point, you know, it, it shortened down to every few days and then it shortened down to every day and then a couple times a day. And eventually it, it got to the point, um, this was in, oh boy, I think this was in January. It got to the point where I would only have a few hours of the day where I could actually breathe and be calm. The rest of the day, it was like a nonstop panic attack. Um, so needless to say, my mind was not really functioning in the whole relationship part anymore. Um, I was really just focused on living day to day at that point. Um, and so Probably there were a lot of red flags that I didn't spot, 
but I was just really, really not doing good. Um, and then end of January, I had to leave the country to get uh, official testing done. And then um, two weeks later, I had originally had appointments to get treated in spring, um, but they bumped us up. Uh, and so in early February, early mid-February, um, I went out of country again to get treated. And I was out there for, I think it was two weeks. I spent one week getting treated and then, and then the second week we just decided to make a family vacation out of it. Um, yeah, and over that vacation, things started to really go downhill. Like, I started to really see the issues. Um, so he would, I didn't have, because I was out of country, I didn't have my cell, like, my cell phone set up for stuff, so I could only talk to him when I had Wi-Fi. Um, and... There were some days where, you know, I would suddenly, oh, I've got Wi-Fi for an hour or two. Um, and he would be at home doing nothing. Uh, but he would, like, spend that time playing video games instead of talking to me. And, you know, that was when... And then later he would complain that he missed me and, and be all upset and being a... Yeah, anyway... So that was starting to really bother me because it was very, very inconsistent. Um, and, you know, I confronted him about it and he, I don't know, he just, I don't even remember what his response was. I think it was just kind of like, I think he kind of dismissed it as, or dismissed me anyways, as, um like, trying to be controlling or something, um, yeah, he, now that I, I can think back on that, um, he really played with my emotions a lot. He kind of dismissed it as me being, um, controlling and, and, you know, expecting, having such high expectations of him, and it was, yeah, he basically just made it my problem, um, and, well, first off, I'm going to say if if you ever are in a relationship where a guy is doing that, you know, dump him. Like, that's, that's not acceptable at all. That is emotional manipulation. And I would consider that to be emotional abuse as well. Um, anyways, so, yeah, I knew things were going downhill, but I was pretty distracted with, with just recovering. Um, so, you know, I just kind of let things slide. He also had, he was very depressed and he was getting more depressed over this time. Um, there would be, you know, a lot of days where he would just be talking down on himself, talking down on life and, and, you know, I would argue him in circles like, well, anybody who's read my debates knows I can do that pretty good. Um, yeah, so I would just... I would give him, like, my genuine feelings about it and my genuine arguments with the things that he was saying and he, and, you know, offering him hope so that he would stop being so depressed and he just, he refused 
to even listen to me. So um, that's another red flag. If somebody is not consolable, then, you know, they're not going to be somebody who can be there for you. Like, not a chance. And especially if they're being that way when you are barely dragging by. Okay, like, if you are... If you've got a life-threatening condition, or even just major health issues in general, and you're just barely scraping by, and this guy is, you know, like, occasionally getting down in the dumps like that, yeah, that's fine. But if it's, like, every few days, or a few days of every week, like, no. You need somebody who's actually going to be there for you, and not, not giving you you know, the green card to be down in the dumps yourself. Don't do that. You guys both need to be there for each other, and if if you or or your partner are not able to hold yourself together, right, you're responsible for yourself. So if you're not able to be responsible for yourself, then you shouldn't be in a relationship, because that person is not going to pick up the slack, and they should not. Um, anyways... Oh boy, this is getting long. So, I let things slide for quite a while. And then, um, the day after my birthday, actually, in spring, um, I realized that he had actually been cheating. Um, some of you might not call it cheating because we weren't technically dating. We were, you know, planning to date. So, whatever. Either cheating or played me. Whichever you know, take your pick. Either way, it's messing with multiple hearts and not caring about what they deal with afterwards. Um, so yeah, I discovered that day after my birthday. Um, and then that was when I kind of realized, like, you know, this is, this is definitely getting into some very dicey territory. Um, so I confronted him, he apologized, he cried, he realized what he'd done. And, you know, at first he, he had so many excuses that it was like he didn't realize what he did. So that's why I let him slide again, because I figured, well, maybe he was actually just kind of ignorant of how this was wrong. Um, and, you know, sometimes that, that could be the case, maybe. But, you know, so anyway, so he cried when he realized it, he apologized, he beat himself up as usual and and you know he stopped talking to her apparently um so I let it go for a while because I thought well you know things were extremely tense like that was a pretty heated conversation um so I let it go again for a while and then uh, I believe this was, so his birthday was April, and then, so that, it was a month after mine. Um, right around then I realized that I did not like the way things were going at all. Like, it was getting to me pretty good. Um, but I figured, you know what, I'm just gonna wait until after well after his birthday, so that he doesn't have ruined memories. Um, 
and then I told him it was early May, so that's why I'm doing this episode, because it's kind of an anniversary. Um, so yeah, in early May, I we had started to hang out in person, and so I met up with him in person, and we hung out for the evening, and then um, near the end of the evening, I told him, you know what, we're not going to be hanging out anymore, because there are so many things that need to be dealt with, and it just would not be healthy to continue any further until things are actually dealt with. Um, so, yeah, that was rough again. He actually, he would tell me things like that he was wanting to die, that he thought about committing suicide after that, and so you can kind of see why I was being so um, slow about things, why I didn't just put my foot down so quick, because I didn't want to make things worse than they were, and, you know, I really, really did care about them. Um, yeah, so, at that point, I had already decided that I was going to just let things fade out. Um, I was very done. So I decided, you know what, if he started to cheat or whatever you want to call it, um, when things were still fine, then it should not take long at all for him to fall away after we stopped hanging out. Um, and after I stopped pursuing things at all. And anyway, so over the summer, I let things just kind of fall apart. Um, and it was a, it was a really rough summer. Like he kept one second, he's being super, super affectionate. And then the next, he's not sure anymore if he has feelings for me. And it was, it was an absolute roller coaster ride. And, you know, by the end of the summer, fall, so it was 13 months at this point since things had started. Um, I finally told him like, you know what? I'm still dealing with the fact that you betrayed me, and it is very obvious to me at this point that if that does not get resolved, there is absolutely nothing between us. There's nothing going to happen here. Um, that was what I decided in my mind, and you know what? He did not react well at all. He came at me and I'm, I brought it up when he was, he was making some list about things that he wasn't satisfied with, with our relationship. And, um, and one of them was at this point, he was already picking at me quite a bit. And one of them was my lack of confidence around him. And so I just told him, you know what, my lack of confidence around you is because I do not trust you anymore. You know, trust was broken and I don't feel confident around you anymore. And, yeah, so he got furious. Um, he, <laughs> he starts going on and on about how that was already six months ago at this point. You know, it was six months ago that that, that all happened, and I apologized, and, and we talked about it, and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, and, you know, so I just responded in my normal manner that I do over debates, you know, just calm, give him the facts, and, you know, show him again what my heart is behind it, and 
Um, and you know, I told him like, I actually waited six months to bring it up again because I did not want to hurt him. That was why I waited so long. And I only brought it up because I was backed against a wall. I had no other choice at that point because something needed to happen because I was falling apart. Um, and he just, he would not take that for an answer. And he started accusing me of bringing it up just to win some kind of argument. And, you know, basically he victimized himself and made me out to be the monster. Um, and, you know, eventually we argued for a bit. And I, f I finally just told him, you know what, I'm going to make this really simple for you. I'm done. And he disagreed. He said, let's talk again tomorrow. So, okay, whatever. So I waited for the next day. And then he didn't message. And then I waited for the next day. And then I waited for the next day. And then I finally messaged and said, like, okay. We're not putting this off anymore. Like, what What do you want to talk about? What's left to talk about? And, you know, it turned into another argument, as usual. Um, yeah, and at the end, you know, he had completely victimized himself, completely turned me into a monster to his in his mind. And so... And then he started trying to claim the moral high ground by, you know, bringing up... You know, saying that I was just listening to lies from the devil and, and that I wasn't thinking clearly and, you know, all that stuff. Um, so I just, I was just done. And yeah, so I just told him, you know what? You're wrong. And I'm done talking about it. I will not answer again. And I never did answer again. Um... Yeah, so I'm, I'm not saying all of this in order to, you know, make him out to be such a bad person or anything like that. Um, if I wanted to, I could have given a lot, a lot worse details. But I'm saying this because I want people to be able to hear my story. Um, because people share stories to share information. Um, and even though that information may not be very clear to us, it does hit us at a subconscious level. So I told my story so that you guys can hear it and maybe recognize warning signs for your own lives or for your friends. Um, yeah. So in next week's podcast, I'm going to discuss the different red flags and common mistakes that people make. Um, and some things that I consider to be just completely baseless theories that people make up. Um, you know, like, for example, the whole waiting to date. I'll explain that in the next week's podcast, but that is generally not something that works at all. Um, so yeah, that's this week's podcast. And yeah, send me messages if you guys want. Um, yeah, you know where to find me. Thanks for listening, and I will see you guys next week.